0: Us to be. We
1: love you so much in Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, we can thank our worship and our tech team again. What a powerful way to get our services started. And good morning, everyone. How are you doing today? Good, good, good. Jake, thank you so much. As always, we're so glad that you are here. It might be your first time with us. Perhaps you found us on Google Like most of them or maybe someone actually invited you personally to be here which we also love or perhaps Sunridge is your home church the place where you gather week in and week out to be sent back out to make a difference in this world for Christ wherever you fall on that spectrum whether you are searching or discovering or just living this out we are stoked that you are here. My name is Jed and it is an absolute privilege to serve as one of our pastors on staff. And one of the things that I decided long ago when I took on the vocation of pastor, if I was going to be a regular person that carried that title in a particular community of peoples, and I would devote myself to dispelling any myth or notion that somehow just because I'm temporarily elevated on a stage during a, a time when I speak to use that, that I'm somehow immune or separate or incapable of experiencing the depth of emotions and feelings that come with simply being another human being. In other words, my feet on this platform eventually walk off this stage and they make contact with the same broken ground and earth that God is making new and reconciling. And that in between of him making all things new. I often find myself awake, late at night, laying in bed, restless, my mind racing, my heart palpitating and ruminating on a question that has haunted me for much of my adult life. And perhaps you can sympathize with these three words. Is this it? I often ask God, in the darkness, like we sang in that song, is, is this really it? Is this what it means to grow up and be an adult? Because if someone had told me that this was on the other side of becoming an adult, I probably would have ran away and stayed just comfortable with the struggle of being a child. God, is this It? This is what I'm going to devolve into. Just a more hurried and anxious, seasonally depressed, the kind that goes winter, spring, summer, and fall. Worried, saddened individual. Anyone else ever experience nights like that? I don't think I'm the only one. See, it's not just life that seems to, at certain junctures, be devoid of meaning or purpose, we find ourselves at certain junctures of the calendar year that magnify those feelings, and I feel like Christmas is one of them. It's a pretty interesting time of year because everything looks so beautiful. I mean, look at these trees, our hallways, your homes, inside, Outside, and yet I often ask myself what is actually beneath that facade of prettiness and perfection. I imagine it's just a bunch of human beings who are hiding behind the lights and the glitz and the glam. So we can ask ourselves a similar question Christmas, is this it? Is this all that Christmas is? We are in this series entitled Advent Conspiracy, in which we're attempting to conspire together, not to end Christmas, but to give it back to whom it rightfully belongs, Jesus Christ. And in the last few weeks, Britt has done, his, and done an incredible job getting us to this place where in week one, we talked about worshiping Christ fully, looking at the model of what we see in Scripture and what it means for us to not just celebrate in the holiday season, but for our whole lives to be actively responding to who God is, what He has done in and through Christ, and what He continues to attempt to do in our world that is immeasurably more than all we could ever ask or imagine, according to His power at work was in us. In other words, the Holy Spirit. And so we seek to do that. And then we took this step last week that was actually pretty uncomfortable for me because it wasn't just worshiping fully. No, no, no. This started reaching toward the practical stuff. Spend less was the title of that message. And that was pretty elucidating, was it not? To think about all the money and the debt that we get ourselves into to buy gifts For people, So here's a question that launches us into this morning's message entitled Give More. The question, this hypothetical is, what if this were the last Christmas? I mean, outside of, you know, the volume of the earth being really, really increased because of all the crying children, right? I think for many of us, and I'd encourage you, go back and listen to last last week's message, because I think that... If this were the last Christmas for most of us, it would actually positively impact our bank accounts and our stress levels, right? Because we find ourselves just hurrying from one party to the next with a Christmas gift in toes that we're either re-gifting or we purchased on the way at Target, right? And then when we get to that staff Christmas party or that workplace Christmas party, we're just hoping that no one knows that that lame gift is is the thing that we brought, and we just think, well, if I can end up with a $5 Starbucks gift card, then I can get back into Starbucks and caffeinate so I can make it to the next event where we just do it over and over and over again. I don't know about you, but Christmas, this season of December, it wears me out, gets me tired. So I'm pretty sure that this thing that we celebrate wasn't intended to do that to us. And so we ask, is this it? I'd say the answer is a resounding no. And today, hopefully, by the time we walk out of this room, we see that there's so much more to Christmas than just what we've made it into, this hyper-consumeristic, let's give allegiance to this baby in a manger type of deal. So here is where we begin. It's your second fill-in-the-blanks. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to John chapter 1. But I would like to present to you that what I believe the secret to not only Christmas, which is why that is struck through, but to life, is what we would call the in car nation. John chapter 1 verse 14 says, and the word became flesh and lived among us. We have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, the father's only son full of grace and truth. When you think about Christmas, how often do you see that long word pop up in your head? Probably not too often, and don't feel guilty if that's not the first word that comes to mind, you know, because my kids, they don't think about that word either. A couple weeks ago, we were starting Advent, the season that we're in, and uh, just so you know, I mean, we were a couple days late too, all right? So we were starting, I think, on the, the 5th of December, so we'd missed the first four or so days, and they'd been given Advent chocolate calendars where there's a piece of chocolate behind every date. And no mention of Jesus, just chocolate. And so we, 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 you know, they're really excited about the chocolate. And so we decided around our table to ask them, all right, so what is Christmas about? And they were quick to respond, chocolate. No, that's not what they said. They actually said baby Jesus. That's what they said, that Christmas is about baby Jesus. And I wasn't about to knock that whole thing down, Because there is some of that to this, and I can understand. And God bless all of our incredible volunteers in our children's ministry and all the people. And I'm sure there are going to be great Christmas birthday parties and Christmas cards, or birthday cards made for Jesus in this month. But I wanted to ensure that when our kids think about Christmas, they don't just think about a birthday party for the eternal one. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever he was and is and is to come. I'm pretty sure that he doesn't need a date on the calendar to celebrate his timelessness. It's not about some baby in a manger. And so we got a little technical with our kids, and we said, you know where Advent comes from? And they said no, and so we said there's a Latin word called Adventus, Repeat that after me, and so they're like, Adventus. And we, we, we talk about what that means and, and how it means the arrival. And we say, well, what do you think it's the arrival of? And we explain that that language and secular use is about the arrival of kings and important people. And so we speak to and transition to how crazy it is that we're celebrating the arrival of Emmanuel, God, with us. And so here's the language that we gave our boys that night about Christmas. And I imagine if you stopped them in the hallway, maybe some of this would get out. When we say, what is Christmas about? In the most succinct of terms, we would say it's how God gave up everything. That's what Christmas is about, Charlie Brown. God gave up every thing that's huge news and uh, a, a couple nights ago mallory was uh, reflecting on the kids as, as they were uh, looking at christmas lights and she told me that she was listening in on their conversation the two older boys true at our two-year-old in the middle i don't i don't know what that pal was doing but maybe some of it's getting in but our four and our seven-year-old were asking each other what christmas is about and in, in the, middle, the middle one, Titus said, Christmas isn't just about baby Jesus. It's, it's about how God gave up everything. And then Thadden chimes in right after. Mal said, he goes, the word became flesh and lived among us. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, <laughs> preach. You know, there's no way that they can fully comprehend the gravity of what they're saying. But the reality is I don't either. At this age, I am still grappling with the reality of what the Incarnation represents, that God would give up everything to reconcile us and make things right. So here are a couple things that the Incarnation reveals. The first thing that it reveals is that God took the most drastic initiative to personally cross the divide. This assumes that there is a chasm, an eternal space between us and God that we, on our own gumption, on our own volition, not out of our good works or good deeds or our right thinking, whatever it is, our doing, that we could by ourselves somehow connect that gap or bridge that gap. We can't do it. We're sinful, fallible, broken human beings. And we begin at that place recognizing that there isn't any person who at some point in life will not ask themselves questions about purpose and meaning and wonder if there's something to this mess that we find ourselves in. And the incarnation is more than just a baby arriving. We are saying that God decided at this juncture in history, what Paul would say is the mystery of Christ, that he would come and begin just like you and us, helpless to young parents who probably don't know what they're doing Not just so he could say that, but so that he would have to live each and every single second and minute and hour and day and week and month and year struggling just like you and us. He initiates all that makes this possible. I should note here, in this first chapter of John, when we touched on verse 14, that the word became flesh and lived among us, what we see in the English as the word comes from the Greek word logos. And logos is a really important term that was actually not normal, or it did not begin with Christian usage. It was a word that began with Greek philosophers, particularly Plato and his school of thought, and logos in the Greek referred to reason or rationale. Greek philosophers or Stoics and and mystics, they, they talked about logos akin to how some people today talk about the divine spark or the universe or the cosmos, this impersonal thing that is somehow capable of making sense of all disorder, the essence of all life, very spiritual terms. And the Logos was experienced in spoken word amongst the philosophers so that when they were conversating about reason and then later mathematics and analytics that something would happen in their speech where the Logos was being revealed or self-disclosed. And so when the Apostle John It says, in the beginning was the Logos, and the Logos was with God, and the Logos was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him, no one thing came into being. He's taking a turn. He's taking an idea that secular and pagan society would have been highly attuned to and saying, you think it's this, but let me clarify something to you. It has a name. Later on, in verse 16, he says, From his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. The law indeed was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. We're not talking about some impersonal, quasi spiritual thing somewhere. The word became flesh. If you want to understand, who God is, or what people for all of time have been trying to figure out what would this God be like, look no further than Jesus Christ. We want to see what God would do, how he thinks, how he would go above and beyond and get lower. We look no further than what is revealed Through Jesus the Christ, the word became flesh so that you and I wouldn't have these ideas of a distant God who does not care, who is just doing things on God's behalf. No, in Jesus the Christ we see. Your next point, that God scandalously self-emptied so that we could be made whole. The incarnation reveals to us That the very heart of who God is is sacrificial, costly demonstration of love, not just in speech, but in action and in life. You know, when I hear the word logos, I think about one of the gifts that right now I, I really wish people didn't give to our kids, which are Legos. Uh, because at this stage, our kids, they don't know what in the world to do with those things. And I end up having to, that sounds terrible, having, I get to sit with them and try and configure all these things. And it's tough. Just ask Mal. We have like Ziploc bag after Ziploc bag of just all of these different pieces that like, come on. Like what happened to just getting a regular set and building whatever you want? So, the word logos is actually derived from the verb in Greek lego, which is to gather up and to collect and to assemble and then later on to speak to. And so, this idea that the divine logos would be ordering all of existence and that it would be fractured and broken and that his purpose was to make all of it right again. And then to invite image bearers, those made in his likeness to participate in the reordering and the reconstruction of that. That is at the heart of the incarnation and the only way that the creator God could do that would be to actually step into the Lego building. In person. And that's scandalous because there is no conception. This is what is so unique about Jesus Christ. We don't have ideas elsewhere of a God taking this type of initiative of self-emptying, of giving everything up. Perhaps you're familiar with Philippians chapter 2, where we get that language, let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness and being found in human form. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. We've talked about it before, but this muscle in our chest, the thing that palpitates for me at nighttime when my mind won't stop, I'm probably cutting off the years of life. It ends at some point. Even God himself took it all the way to this thing stopping. But see, unlike you and I, he says, I'm giving it up. It's not going to be taken away from me. This is the only way. You see, here's the last thing for us that the incarnation reveals. God will not ask us to give in a way that he hasn't. talked about worshiping fully, spending less. Today we're saying give more. Hopefully you're not thinking that the message is about spending more money, right? Giving more is about responding to the person and work of Jesus Christ and aligning our heartbeat with His, which is sacrificial and costly. It's an investment of our whole selves, not just parts of us. So if we go back to that original scene of being up late at night and cycling through all the things that we experienced in the day, and the stuff about our work and our relationships that we can't get to from the confines of our bed, but we still want to control. When we think about the emptiness that we feel inside of us that wonders, where is God? What is he doing? Is he actually here? We're not going to start thinking about some baby. That's probably not the imagery that's going to strike a chord and resonate something in our being that gives us a sense of hope to take another step forward. Instead, perhaps, we would see that in the incarnation, God is making contact with the depths of emptiness and brokenness in us. And He need only do that one time. You see, Some of us wish that God would just fix it and make it right right now. But what we have in the incarnation, God deciding at this moment in history that he would come and do this. He's not going to do it over and over and over again. The opportunity that exists now for us in this interim where he is not physically here is for us to learn how to struggle through this trust and this growth that someday gets us face to face with him. And in this in-between, ironically... The way that we experience becoming filled is not by consuming more or by asking God to do more for us or thinking that something or some job or some relationship or some number in our check account or in our IRA or anything of that matter is going to fill us. The only way for us to begin to have a sense of being filled is to one, Attach ourselves to the person, Jesus Christ, who can do that. And then two, begin to live our lives in response to him and what he has done. You see, it's not about getting more. It's not about God just giving us our stuff. I think that when we begin to give as Jesus Christ gave purpose and meaning and hope and joy... They burgeon up there. Look like what John writes in a later letter, first John chapter four, beginning in verse thirteen, he says, By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father has sent his Son as the Savior of the world. God abides in those who confess that Jesus is the Son of God, and they abide in God. So we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and those who abide in love abide in God, and God abides in them. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness on the day of judgment. Catch this, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not reached perfection in love. We love because he first loved us. And those who say, I love God, and hate their brothers or sisters are liars, for those who do not love a brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. The commandment we have from him is this, those who love God must also love their brothers and sisters Also, when I'm questioning whether or not God is present, when I am not attuned to how it metaphysically works that the Holy Spirit indwells me, when I'm struggling with feeling the dissonance and the gap because I'm a broken human being, I can go back to passages like this that remind me, if I want to be attuned to God with us, then I should probably be looking at what my life looks like apart from that bed where I lay down and question what it is. I should probably be thinking about how my footsteps travel throughout the day and how I'm giving of my to the people around me. So here's where we begin to turn. If you want this to be the first Christmas that transcends December, then start here. Give more time to daily asking God to transform your heart and renew your mind. Daily. Daily. He didn't go through all those great lengths so that we could come here twice a month and expect a pastor to give us something. He didn't go through all those lengths so that we could show up a couple times a month and wonder whether or not he's active in my life. He did not go through those lengths so that I could just lay in bed at night and ask myself over and over what this is. His response to me in that silence, Jed... This is it. Do you trust that I've already given everything to you? Will you do anything with that? That's the struggle, is it not? And so when I begin to daily ask God to transform. My heart to renew my mind. I might start that by asking prayers like this Lord, increase my capacity and willingness to give more intentionally to the people in my life. Lord, open my eyes to the opportunities that abound around me. Lord, grant me compassion for those who I am instinctively dismissive of. Lord, forgive me for being so hurried that I missed those around me. Lord, what do you want me to do? Or, what do you want to do with me to devote my time and being to? Can you imagine if every day, instead of just asking God to bless our day, we beseeched Him to commission us so that we would? fully take charge of the life that's in front of us to give as he has given to empty out, trusting that in that process of giving of ourselves that he would fill us a miraculous way. Here's your second and last fill in the blank. If you want this December or this Christmas to transcend this December and give more attention to cultivating your relationship with Christ. I mean, it's connected directly to what we just said. this is living, active relationship and things aren't going to change for me if I don't take a step toward him with more and more intention. And I'm not saying that we just snap out of these funks that we're in. I'm not just saying that when we go to read scripture or we fall on our knees that suddenly we start to feel better. That's, that's not what I'm saying I read my Bible every day and there are times when I read my Bible and I walk away many times where I still feel horrible but it's in the act of saying, God, despite what I am feeling, and regardless of what I am going through, I am trusting that all of this suffering and strife, this hurt, is producing in me endurance, which is producing in me character, which is producing in me hope. And it's not hope in me, and it's not hope that I'm just going to figure it out myself. It is hope And you and who you are and who you have shown yourself to be. And if that is not a catalyst for change in this world, then I don't know what is. So I'd like to introduce you to a person I wish were a personal friend of mine on the screen to see how she has responded to God pouring out of himself.
0: This is the North Highlands area just outside Sacramento. This used to be a very thriving area springing from mostly from McClellan Air Force Base. The base closed and since the closure, the whole of the community economically was impacted because all the jobs left. I have been living in the vicinity of this area for close to 20 years. I was part of a ministry but felt that there was more we could do to invest ourselves in the community around us. We looked around and noticed that every direction we looked in, there was an apartment complex. I felt I heard the Lord say, this is the place and these are the people. When we came to Logan Park, we knocked on their door and said, if you would let us, we'd love to come in and do the women's Bible study. And they said to us, be great to have you come if you would also staff and run the after-school program skill development classes, those kinds of things out of our community center. We would love to have you come. So we came in and we did do the It's Bible study, but more than anything else, the traction that really took hold is the after-school program where we involve ourselves and the children, uh, helping them with their academics. Uh, We have boys clubs, girls clubs, those kinds of things. When we came here, Logan Park was riddled with crime. A lot of gang violence, child prostitution. There was a darkness different than the nighttime. Prayer is the key, I believe, that has gotten us every place that we are. We pray, Lord God, in the name of Jesus, send your angels now, God, to surround, oh God, each household. We prayed for 52 weeks, and at the end it was like a veil of darkness receded, as though that blanket had been lifted up off of this community. I guess my preference is to be quiet, sitting at home reading a book, but the needs of others pulls me out of myself. Some of the needs of the community uh, here at Logan Park uh, include the basic needs of food and clothing. So once every week, we give our groceries, bags of groceries to everybody who comes, anyone who comes. These are people who perhaps thought they were the forgotten, the castaways. So I just grab one of these? Thank you. I come from this background. I am the eldest of 12 children. We lived in low-income housing and there were people who came by, like maybe Christmas, everybody wants to come and be a blessing around holidays. But they were just here and gone. Never a face, never a hand, never a heart that stayed. For us, the success is in being here. Food giveaway, Miss Emma. It is very important for there to be consistent presence. God bless you, precious. This is a life investment because Christ invested his life for us. Not from afar, but up close and personal. He got into the mess with us. It is a formidable foe to replace hopelessness with hope. We have continued to blanket it with prayer and we have continued to see the Lord respond. In the name of Jesus, we pray for wisdom. We pray that we do not get ahead of you and we do not lag behind you, God. And so we lift up households now, households and families, oh God, who would normally go a different way. In the name of Jesus, put them in sync now, God, with your timing. Let them not worry about the things that have passed or worry about what is ahead. Let them rest now. Rest now, and that rest, oh God, will bring peace, peace into every household, peace into every household, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah.
1: I love that her name is Joy, which literally means grace recognized. Which assumes that God hasn't given up on us. That's what grace means, which assumes and speaks the truth that God has given up everything to make things right. She said it's the formidable foe that hopelessness would be met with hope. She prays against those restless. Nights, that peace would come and we know that Jesus Christ, He Himself is our peace. And church, I hope you know that when I'm up here sharing, it's not because I think I have something special to give you. It's because I need God to remind me what I so easily run away from or dismiss. Because all those restless nights that I have spent... I have the person, and he's demonstrated what I need daily. Will I attune myself to him? The final film, the blank for you is that if you want this Christmas to transcend more than December, then give more of your life away to his mission. You know, when I was working through these points, I assume that the first two, I would conclude those sentences, give more of your whatever time to daily and then attention. And then the, I would at this point say, then give all of your life away to his mission. But the reason why I continued the give more theme is because it assumes what I know to be true is that a lot of us, myself included, we're not really giving him much. And so there's this, process of sanctification, this incremental work that He is doing in us that sees things long term, and he's not just expecting us to fix it or get it right in the moment. He's traveling with us and encouraging us and challenging us and transforming us and inspiring us more and more to give and to love as he gave and loves. So give more of your life away to his mission. And whether it looks like you taking the initiative like joy or finding more intentionality with your kids or a spouse or a coworker, a friend, a stranger, when you're on the way to school or work, wherever it is that you find yourself, would you remember that God has given up everything so that you could experience life and life abundantly? I'd like to conclude with a simple verse of scripture that Lisa, our outreach director, reminded me of this past week. And I love her heart and the heart of our entire team here on Stafford. We say it's not up to professional Christians who are paid to go out and do the work. No, no, no. This is the ministry of reconciliation. This is every single one of us that names the name of Christ. We are all invited to participate in the rebuilding, and the Lego doing. This is real great stuff. And that says that if God would send his only begotten Son, then something is happening when we walk out of this place. John chapter 20, verse 21, Jesus said to them again, and this is after the resurrection, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. Let's be on mission together. And if there are any of you who have yet to experience that and participate in that, I would encourage you. I would love to talk to you personally. Britt's here too. I'm sure he would love to talk to you personally. If there's someone in this room that has yet to say, you know what, I'm saying yes to Christ, then come come and talk to one of us. And then to the rest of us, let's go and live and be and do and respond to who he is. Let's pray.